This is Life Change Church in Muskegon, Michigan. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for giving us your ears while you mow the lawn, kayak, do the dishes, or sit with the knitting circle. Watch us on Facebook Live Sunday mornings at 9.30 or subscribe to the weekly podcast at mylifechangechurch.tv. This is Pastor Ron Rands. Well, today I have a message that uh, the Lord really woke me up early on a Thursday. And, you know, sometimes it's, uh, it's moments like these, uncertain times, like last week we had a message about making decisions in uncertain times. We're still in the, obviously in those uncertain times. And, you know, it's when we press in, sometimes it feels like we're not uh, hearing or we're not getting traction or we're not even, in, maybe we're not moving forward. And those are those places where we rest and say, you know, God's still talking. He's still on the throne. And we're going to get to that because that's going to be one of my points today. But I labeled this message, uh, entitled this message, The Balance Between Preparation and Trust. I had never really thought about this as much as other than the hour that we're living in today. How prepared am I for this? And who am I really trusting in this? And I, I, I go through the stores uh, occasionally trying to uh, be sensitive to and, and understand what's essential and what's not essential and even seeing the X's that I'm not used to on the floor and the spaces that I'm not used to today and I'm a hugger most of you probably would know that if you come into the church and I want to hug people and I'm trying to be sensitive it's, it's like this natural reaction and in fact I even seen some people uh, in a store the other day and my, my natural reaction was to want to go there and you could even see it on their face and uh, just it's just it's odd for me especially for a shepherd's heart and uh, one that I want to be very attached and so uh, I want to read a passage today. It's found in uh, Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 32. I'll give you a moment to turn there. And I'm going to kind of share with you why that is so important today. Again, in Romans 15, 4, which seems to be a passage that means more to me than ever. And I, I have probably read this and um, maybe even turned to this passage in times past, but never really got it as much as I do today. Where it talks about it, times past or history past, God's word was given to us to teach us, to give us hope and encouragement. Never have I found in more of a you know, strength of encouragement and hope through God's word. And I've always had it. I've always found in myself in God's word. But I am listening to God's word more than I ever have. I mean, I'm sleeping with it. I'm waking up with it. I'm in my car. I'm driving my car today. And my car picks up my Bluetooth. And what am I listening to? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. And in this Thursday morning, this last Thursday morning, the Lord woke me up to Hezekiah. And I know a little bit about Hezekiah, obviously, because I'm a man of the word and study, studying the word. And Hezekiah was a person who trusted God. He was a person who was a young man that was put in office. And, uh, you know, he didn't have any uh, really uh, a good example to follow. But he pressed in and, and took all these high places down. And what that means in the Bible, and maybe you've read in the Old Testament, and maybe you haven't, but when it says take these, whole, these high places down, there was places of worship that people had had that they would go to. And they would, yes, they'd have a lot of times a place of worship for God, but then they'd have all these other places of worship in their hearts. 
And they would trust all these different gods or these different places of understanding, whether it was the god of the seas or the, or the god of the skies or the god of, the, uh, of fertility or whatever. And, 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 they would put all, and they would literally worship these particular gods. And Hezekiah recognized that there's one God and that he is to be put our, all our trust in, Yahweh. And in this moment, he's faced with an enemy. And it's an enemy that is of global proportions, much like what we are feeling today with COVID. It's an enemy of global proportions. And how his heart is prepared and how he has to learn how to trust God. And, and so I, I want to share, if I could, just, just before we turn there, is that, you know, I, I'm, I remember being in high school. And I was one of those ones that, you know, that they probably would have labeled ADD. They, they probably would have labeled me ADHD. And, you know, and, and look at that because I had such a hyper um, energy, and I still do have a lot of hyper energy in my life. And I'm just an excitable person. Uh, and what had happened was, um, is that I sometimes would struggle focusing. It wasn't that I didn't have the capacity to remember or the capacity to learn, but I would struggle focusing like much people do today. They, their focus is everywhere. You know, and, and so it was harder for me to learn. In fact, I had a younger brother who was only 10 months younger, one, year, one grade younger, who do a lot better studiously than I would. I mean, we went to a, uh, a Christian school and uh, it was um, where there was a lot of requirement of, of homework and study. And I was a, a, a B student, probably um, being maybe even optimistic there, probably more of a B minus, C plus student. And my brother was an A student. But yet if you were to look at the hours of study, I would probably put in two hours of study versus his one. And I thought at times it was unfair. Why could he study for one hour and get A's and I'd study for two and get B minuses or C pluses? And I, I looked at that part of it and, and was, it was the focus part of it. And it was the, the, the understanding of preparation part of it. In my mind, it would, I would have to read something over and over and over again. And I am, I'm so thankful that with the word of God, it, it, it hasn't been that way. When I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, it was like the Lord just anointed me with focus. That there was a truth that could come into my life that was unlike anything else. It wasn't like history. It wasn't like math. And math came easier for me. But it wasn't like geography or history or any other uh, studious thing that I had to do, whether it be English and prepositions and all the stuff that I really did struggle with in school. But it was the Word of God that was, became alive in my heart. And Hezekiah recognized this, and yet he struggled with this, this uh, epidemic. And when I say epidemic, was this, this king that was ravaging the land. And he had, in fact, a land really close. And maybe you have somebody that's really close to you that has been diagnosed with COVID. And, and yet he, Israel, which is just a stone throw away from Judah, has now been ransacked and has been um, taken over, been sieged by the king. And now this king now is a few years later marching on the doorsteps of Hezekiah's city. And Hezekiah is a, not only is he a king, but truly a priest in that day. 
See, and the difference between a king and a priest is what the Lord wants us to be is, is we need to be a king which gives direction, but we need to be a priest to realize we need to receive direction. And we need to be both. We need to be hearing what God has to say in this hour of our life. And so I'm going to read in 2 Chronicles chapter 32, and I'm going to talk about how the balance of preparation and trust and, you know, and, and how important it is because, see, when you haven't studied for a test, you're not prepared for a test. You are, what's going to happen is, is that because you haven't been prepared, your heart, your heart, I'm not talking about your mind, your heart is going to have this thing, thing, you know, you're not prepared for this. You have unrest inside of you because you're not ready for this test in life. And I find that many of us today are in a place of unrest because we're not prepared for the test, specifically the one that's at hand today. Second Chronicles chapter 32, verse 1. After Hezekiah had faithfully carried out this work, King Sennacherib of Assyria invaded Judah. He laid siege to the fortified towns, giving orders for his army to break through their walls. When Hezekiah realized that Sennacherib also intended to attack Jerusalem, he consulted with his officials his military advisors, and they decided to stop the flow of the springs outside the city. They organized a huge work crew to stop the flow of the springs, cutting off the brook that ran through the fields, for they said, why should the king of Assyria come here and have plenty of water? Then Hezekiah worked hard at repairing all the broken sections of the wall, erecting towers and constructing a, a second wall outside the first. He also reinforced the supporting terraces in the city of David and manufactured large numbers of weapons and shields. He appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square at the city gate. Then Hezekiah encouraged them by saying, Be strong, be of courage. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria or his mighty army. For there is a power far greater on, the, on our side. He may have a great army, and they are merely men. We have the Lord our God to help us and fight the battle for us. Hezekiah's words greatly encouraged the people. While King Sincherib of Assyria was still besieging the town of Lachish, he sent his officers to Jerusalem with his message to for Hezekiah and all the people in the city. This is what King Sincherib of Assyria says. What are you trusting in that makes you think you will survive this siege of Jerusalem? Hezekiah has said, the Lord our God will rescue us from the king of Assyria. Surely Hezekiah is misleading you, sentenced you to a death by famine and thirst. Don't you realize that Hezekiah is the very person who destroyed all the Lord's shrines and altars? He commanded Judah and Jerusalem to worship only at the altar at the temple and to offer sacrifices on it. Surely you must realize what I and the other kings of Assyria before me have done to all the people of the earth. Were any of the gods of those nations able to rescue their people from my power? Which of their gods was able to rescue its people from the destruction power of my predecessors? What makes you think your God can rescue you from me? Don't let Hezekiah deceive you. Don't let him fool you like this. I say it again, no God of any nation or kingdom has ever yet been able to rescue his people from me or my ancestors. How much less will your God rescue you from my power? And Sennacherib's officers further mocked the Lord God and his servant Hezekiah, heaping insult upon insult. The king also sent letters scorning the Lord, 
the God of Israel, he wrote, just as the gods of all the other nations fail to rescue their people from my power, so the God of Hezekiah will also fail. The Assyrian officials who brought the letters shouted to the people gathered on the walls of the city trying to terrify them so it would be easier to capture the city. These officers talked about the God of Jerusalem as though he were one of the pagan gods made by human hands. Then King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out in prayer to God in heaven. And the Lord sent an angel to destroy the Assyrian army with all of its commanding officers. And so Sennacherib was forced to to return home in disgrace to his own land. Today, so many people are living in fear. So many are living in anger and anxiety. There is so much consumption of what's going on instead of consuming the presence of God in our life. We are completely worried about and anxious about this epidemic, this enemy to hit our doorsteps. And yet today, if we were really truthful, we could recognize that Jesus is still on the throne. He is still on the throne. And yet, is he on the throne of your heart? Is he on the throne of my heart today? Just because Jesus is on the throne of heaven, it does not mean that he's on the throne of your heart. And in John 15, verse 5, Jesus is, again, he's talking to his disciples, and these are some of the last hours he's had with the disciples. He's having these heart-to-heart talks with them. In John 15, verse 5, it says, Yes, I am the vine, ye are the branches, those who remain in me, and I in them. They'll produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, now listen, and if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything that you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, for you are my true disciples, this brings great glory to God. These are these hours where what is truly going to remain, if Jesus is on the throne, which he is, but is he on the throne of your heart? Is he on the throne of my heart? How do I get him to remain there? Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to those whom he loves. We would call this the red letter moments of Jesus And we would recognize that as he's speaking that there's some truth here that more than than likely that they weren't going to capture inside of that moment, but it was going to resonate in the days to come. And I, I pray that this message resonates in the days to come. And what it's talking about is, is that, is it remaining in you? Is it Jesus is being on that throne? Is his kingdom come? His will being accomplished. His thoughts of who you are. Do you really belong to him? And that, and that if you belong to him, he belongs to you. That greater is he that is in me than he that is of this world. Where is my heart? Where is your heart? Is it remaining in him? Number two, these tests or these stressors of life show how prepared we are or we're not. That's how they do. I, again, going back to my school days, I can remember when it was more important for me to do something fun or more important for me to do something with my buddies or do some sporting event 
athletic thing I wanted to do than it was to prepare for a test. And I really would push down that thought of that test, kind of procrastinate it, get preoccupied, become presumptuous of it. Oh, it's not going to be that difficult. In fact, it seemed like those, those, those surprise quizzes that really got to me. Do you remember those surprise quizzes? In fact, I got mad at every teacher that ever did that. I thought, what? how dare you bring a surprise quiz in my life? Because obviously if it's a surprise, I don't, I'm not prepared. And then, you know, the surprise quizzes were always much smaller and much shorter of nature than the test. And the anxiousness that would come over my life because of a surprise quiz. And instantly I'd be thinking about, well, how much does this surprise quiz mean an overall picture of my grade? Is it 20% of my grade? Is it 40% of my grade? Is it 60%? And I really didn't want the essay question. Because see, I, at the essay question, I really, had to, I really had to know what I was talking about. I mean, on a multiple choice, I could I mean, get 25% of it I could probably get. It. Or I love true, you know, the true or false question. I got 50-50 chance to get it right or wrong. And a lot of times I'm a pretty logical person. I could probably figure out in that questionnaire, in the multiple choice or in the truth or false question, I could figure out the logic of what the teacher was trying to get and I could usually do pretty well. But man, when those essay questions, they really would tell me whether I was prepared or not. These stressors in life, do they tell me or do, rather do they tell you what you're prepared for? And I want to get to the point of how important it is to be prepared because many of us may not understand. Uh, Jesus, when he came on this earth, and this is, you know, Jesus is sent by God. Obviously, every perfect gift is sent by God. So we can all say that God was perfect, Jesus was perfect, and it was a perfect gift sent there. But did you realize that before he was sent, there was some preparation that needed to be done. He was, he was caught in a man called John the Baptist. Prepared the way because people weren't ready for Jesus. They weren't ready for Jesus. In fact, even the, the, the very uh, teachers of the law, the very people that were supposedly supposed to be ready for Jesus, Jesus would talk about this. You would, you would, he would talk to the, the spiritual rulers at that time. He goes, you go over there and you even got it memorized. And yet the very thing that you're teaching about, he's right in fr- present with you and you don't understand. You know, we can talk about a truth, but do we own the truth? Is it really, do we really trust the truth? Jesus will provide for you right now and you're unemployed. He is your provider, Jehovah Jireh. Do you, do you really, are you prepared for him to do that? Are you, are you listening or, or, or are you, you know, right away, are you consumed with your bills? And although you need to be prepared to pay for those bills. Jesus came to this world and the world was not prepared for him. Obviously, John the Baptist came and they were all caught up with their cleansing and their hand washing and and all their ceremonial activities. But what you don't really realize is that those ceremonial activities, that they they were these mundane things that God had prepared for the, the religious leaders at that time. All they pointed to was the importance of knowing God. That's all they were there for. Is so that we would have a precedent that we would realize that our heart needs to get prepared for God and that we were to make God a big deal in our own hearts. And you know, if I were to think about it, so many times I've, I, I guiltily have made God 
Not, not, not on purpose, but I've belittled God's presence many times in my life. And these are places where we realize the sin or the, the necessity in our life that God's a big deal. And you know, when that he tells us, in fact, my job is really in a way is to equip you, but it's also to help you see how big a deal God is. And not in some letter of law, and not in some, obviously not in some kind of church attendance, which certainly we don't have today, but in the heart of who God is in your life. Are you allowing him in? This passage blew up with me on Thursday morning, 1 John 3.20. Whenever our heart convicts us, and I'm going to read from the Amplified Translation, convicts us in guilt, for God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things. Nothing from him, because he is hidden from him, because he is with us, and in, in, we are his hands, and is in his hands. Beloved, if if our heart does not convict us of guilt, we have confidence, complete assurance, and boldness before God. And we receive from him whatever we ask because we are carefully and consistently keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight, habitually seeking to follow his plan. Preparation is the tool that God works through so that you can hear what God says. Preparation is God's tool so that you can hear what God is saying to you. That's why it's so important. In fact, we just read in 2 Chronicles chapter 32 that here is Hezekiah facing an impossible enemy. Impossible. I mean, in fact, if you read in 2 Kings chapter 20, another you know, a correspondence of the same storyline that the, the enemy, you know, a senator of the king said, look, I'll give you 2,000, you know, I'll give you 2,000 horses. I'll give you chariot. I'll, I'll give whatever it is. I, he tormented him with the idea that, you know what, whatever you do, Hezekiah, you are facing it and you are facing something that's impossible. And yet Hezekiah still went and built those walls. He still went over there and, and turned off the water supply so that they wouldn't have this running water, you know, into this besieging moment. You would think that, you know, what, what's the use? Why even do that? But Hezekiah has a heart like you and I do. We need to do our part. We need to do our part, which means, you know, when I wake up in the morning, and I love what my team is doing, I'm so proud of them, and I turn, you go, you turn to mylifechangechurch.tv, and I challenge you to do it. One of the first things you'll find is home resources. Way to win, team. And you'll turn to that and you'll find devotionals there. You'll find things you can do with your kids. You'll find something you can do at home. You'll find these studies. Because see, this is the time where we turn. We need to do our part. Because then our heart doesn't condemn us. If you're not doing your part, your heart will tell you that you've not done your part. And if your heart tells you that you're not doing your part, you're going to struggle. Well, what is God saying? Well, even he's talking, you're not hearing it because your heart is noisily telling you, get your heart ready. Get your heart ready. Get prepared for what God is speaking in this hour of your life. For instance, you know, I, uh, I can be in a disagreement with my wife. 
I know that all of you guys think I have a perfect marriage. Well, here to tell you that I don't. And I could be in this place of a, a disagreement in my wife. And I, 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 I will be out uh, working and I'll come home. And you know what my heart will tell me? You need to apologize. You know what my head will tell me? She should do it first. That's what my head will do. But my heart will tell me, you should call and apologize. And if I don't listen to my heart, if all I do is listen to my head, all I have is this aggravation and I don't have what God says. See, what God wants to do is he wants to bring reconciliation. He wants to bring unity of spirit. He wa- his, his place, what God has for my life is a wonderful, uh, a unified marital promise. And because I don't listen to my heart, because my heart's convicted me to apologize. So now I'm sitting at dinner and I didn't listen to my heart like some of you didn't listen to your heart. You didn't apologize. So now I'm at dinner and I'm, I'm aggravated within myself because I didn't get prepared. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm sensing the things I did wrong, the things I did. Now I'm starting to hear the things we even fought about, goodness, hours before. Instead of allowing what God wants to do new. Right now, God wants to do something new in your heart. Something new in your life. Something new in your neighborhood. Something new for those co-workers. Something new in your marriage. Something new in your children. Just the other day, I was thinking about all the different games and these board games that are selling. And there's a lot of things that are going on. There's a lot of good things that are going on in this time. And I was thinking, how many times, how, how many marriages right now are even, obviously, they're condensed time together. What are they doing with that? time. What a place to prepare what God can do. Are they doing devotions? Are they taking time to pray together? Are they doing what Hezekiah says, look, I'm going to, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to rebuild these walls. I'm going to make sure that the enemy doesn't have anything to drink and thirst. I'm going to make sure that he doesn't have a place in my life, even though I may be facing things that are impossible. Maybe there's some areas in your life where you, you, you even came to, to the, today and recognized there's so much war and your war front of your household, but God can bring a spirit of reconciliation in your home today. How... Our, is our heart prepared to trust? So let's get to the trust now. Preparation is that place where maybe you got to turn to mylifechangechurch.tv to, to do some devotional. Or maybe you just got to get on your knees, you know, just, and just say, I surrender to you, God. You know, get in your heart prepared for what he has. Or like John the Baptist, he, he said it so, he goes, repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Repentance just means having a change of heart. Do you realize that every time God knows you're repenting, you're still going to mess it up? Your mind tells you that if I, if, you know, if I get this right and I don't ever mess up again, God will show up. That's not what God is saying. God knows, I know you're going to mess up again, but if you allow your heart, have a change of heart, we're going to get closer and closer to the promise, closer and closer to the path, closer and closer to the narrow way that he has for your life. And we can truly turn on, and we can do this journey together. That's what preparation is. Repent, which means, Father, I want to change a heart for my marriage. Father, I want to change a heart for me and the kids. But I want to have a change of heart. I, I want to have a change of heart toward this COVID situation. 
God, I, I, I want what you're speaking here. I want to hear. And, and, and maybe, you're, maybe you're in a place right now, you can't hear anything but it. You know, I, I, I want to challenge you right now. Um, less media and more Jesus. I'm not here to, to tell you to, and say, well, get into a little world that, you know, all enclosed and, and, that, and I'm trying to, you know, get you to think that you can't listen to some facts. I'm saying what God says, less of me and more of him. Less of media and more of him. Less of fear and more of faith in these hours. Less of worry and more of trust. Less of anger and, and more of humility. There's so many things right now that we can make a decision, but it's our heart right now is condemning us because of what's inside. And I'm with you, brother, sister, mother, father, grandfather, grandmother. I sense and trying to be sensitive to where you're at. And I realize that even within my own heart, if I can turn and look and I go, I don't like what I see. I don't like what I see in, in, in many things. That sometimes even the frustrations that go on inside. But God has given me an answer. His name is Jesus. And if I turn toward him, no matter what, no matter how stormy my life is, that I can take a step toward his path, a step toward trusting him and lean not to my own understanding, but begin to acknowledge him in my way, though I may not be on the other side of this problem, may on the other side of this hurt, I will begin to take that narrow path to allow his love, to allow his hope, to allow his joy, to allow his influence, to allow his promises, to allow his truths in my life. And the truth will set me on a path that leads me to freedom. Thanks be to God that always leads me to triumph. Maybe you're watching this right now and you're struggling with hope and you're captivated by the things that are going on in your life right now. I want to take a moment aside and say I, I get it. I remember being in an accident many years ago when I thought there's got to be more to Christianity than what I'm experiencing to him. There's a lot of people that pray to be heard here, but not to be heard here. Let's pray this prayer to be heard here. So would you please bow your heads with me and pray this prayer with me and say, Father, in Jesus' name, I surrender. I surrender my heart, my hurts, my fears, these uncertainty of times. Lord Jesus, you're still on the throne. And I want you to be on the throne of my heart. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your hope. And I give you the wheel to lead. I, I'd like to be the co-pilot, but I give you the wheel to be the pilot of my life. I surrender all to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
God bless you. Have an awesome day. There's gonna be some instructions that will help you if you've just made that decision. You are listening to Life Change Church with Pastor Ron Rands. If this message encourages and inspires you, pass it on to someone else. You can find weekly episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts under Life Change Church Muskegon. When you share it to your social media, be sure to tag us at Life Change Church. For prayer support and more resources, visit mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer.